Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Welcome to this special edition-ish of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. My fellow Americans. <laughs> See, I had this I, I had this thing all planned, and I decided not to do it. Um, and I am Timothy Harvey, not running for office. I am the president, the CEO, the editor-in-chief, the publisher here at Sci-Fi for Me. But this is not about me. It is. It's kind of fascinating how many fa- phrases that end up working their way into the consciousness when you come to things like mm. presidential addresses and that sort of thing. It's that you know, often they are not used that many times. It just had to be an iconic moment um, yeah. in time. You know, the the fireside chat, which is not a thing that happens, but it when it did, it it worked its way into the consciousness. The right. radio broadcasts the. The various ways that, that heads of state have addressed their populaces, both in the real world and in today's subject. Yes, the genre world, because there are a number of instances throughout the history of science fiction, fantasy, and horror where the president, and this could be the president of the United States, the president of the Federation, right. President of the Galaxy, President of Earth, you know, all of these different things. There's a, a, a presidential position that factors in. For good and for ill. Yes, and some people <laughs> enjoy that position more than others. And, and by enjoy, do you mean come this close to cackling evilly? Because that, that there's quite could, a few of be. those um, are... Our own feelings about leadership, um, good and ill, show up in our science fiction and our fantasy and our horror yeah. novels and, and TV and movies and comic books. And, and there's a lot. There's a lot of fictional presidents who have made an impact uh, in in some some small, some some big in, yeah. in genre fiction. Well, this this particular president has not made very much of an impact. We're currently sitting still at 1,286 subscribers. Well, we have a goal well, can, of thirteen hundred. Considering that the other option is none, I think. Yeah, well, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> There's some impact there. there You've is, made some. There is some growth, and mm. and we do appreciate everybody who uh, supports the channel, who uh, shows up with uh, you know their comments and their chat. Now, this particular episode is pre-recorded because I have to be in two places at once again because of basketball. Don't uh, let that stop you from letting us know if we've missed presidents. Right, because when we do these uh, as a pre-recorded show, we set the premiere. So the live chat is still active. We just can't respond immediately. Right. And then, of course, when you're if you're watching in replay, 
there's always the comments uh, section below the video. And then, of course, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can always send us an email or, or let us know in a comment somehow that way. But yeah. if, if you're listening on iTunes, this is something that I have not uh, done very much because iTunes is just not in my head that much. Mm-hmm. Um, we would appreciate if you... Apple rate, Podcasts, no, by the way. Well, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Uh, if you rate the show, if you share yeah. it, you know, the algorithm, it helps other people find our show. Um, we're on iHeartRadio. We're on all of the different podcast players, I think, you can find it. But um, that's something that I've neglected to mm. ask of you in the audience, if you're listening to the show if in, in a podcast form, to share that because that helps other people discover us in this in the search algorithm so there is that and if you want to support us in a monetary fashion we have a couple of ways you can do that there is the paypal tip jar link and then there's also subscribe star where you could uh, pledge a monthly amount to support us and that goes to uh, help us with travel expenses and equipment and that sort of thing we've got c2e2 coming up at the end of the month we have uh, um expo dallas we're waiting to hear back on star wars celebration there's a number of events uh there's one out in san diego we may try to get to um or one or two and so there is that and every every little bit helps and then as a thank you to our audience we have negotiated with superherostuff.com a 10 percent discount if you use the promo code sci-fi for me 10 when you check out it can be used in combination with some of the other offers not all of them but you can get 10 percent off when you use that discount code so so there is that little bit of business. Get that out of the way before we start talking presidents. And where do we start? Because there are so many of them. Yeah, well, um, and the, the thing is, of course, is that there's both good presidents and bad presidents in in the genre world. Uh, at various points, Lex Luthor has been president of the <laughs> United States. Doctor Doom has been president of the United States. Uh, Captain America has been president of the United States. And, you know, and that's just in comic books alone. Right. Uh, and interestingly enough, if, although we have not had a female president in the U.S., um, there were female presidents in science fiction uh, decades ago. Linda Carter Linda has Carter played... Is a uh, um, Doctor Who had a female president of... I believe it was, she was the female president of Earth uh, in a Doctor episode involving the Ogrons back in the day. Um, there's been, uh, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman has been president, uh, which predated that predated President uh, Obama. Yeah, and and unfortunately, no one has ever convinced him that he should just do it because <laughs> you're sure some people would just vote for him because they just like I just want to hear him talk. Oh sure, <laughs> sure. Well, that one. means that we're in trouble. That's true because well, that's true, uh, because he, when Morgan Freeman is, yeah. That, that uh, well, Deep Impact was, of course, one of the ones uh, that he he was great as president in, and, and that was also one of those films came out at the same time as Armageddon. Yeah, and Armageddon. I think, I think they came out at the same the same year, didn't yeah, they? they? Did. Yeah. Uh, Deep Impact actually was a okay. No, really, what if this happened? Yeah. And Armageddon was. If this happens, what blows up? Yeah. <laughs> There's something wrong with that, but Armageddon is dumb. 
<laughs> it just is. Uh, well, I mean, Armageddon is one of those um, throwbacks to, I guess, not necessarily the 80s action flick type of thing. It's a disa- but, it's, it's, it, well, you know, it's, it's the disaster. It's, it's the tow- Towering Inferno. It's Towering Inferno. <laughs> yeah, in space. It's Towering Inferno in space because you have Nobody was asking everything going, going wrong. Oh, no. How do you how do you get out of it? Um, right. Another another comparison you could make would be uh, um, uh, the Poseidon Adventure. Oh yeah, where your hero doesn't make it. Right. Spoiler alert for a movie what? that's been out for what? When did that come out? Nineteen seventy six. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a great it's a great picture. Um, Go see see the original, not the remake. Yeah. I mean, uh, or as, anything as, resembling a remake or a sequel, just don't. As don't. much as as it, it's fun to watch Kurt Russell, he's not Gene Hackman, no. and it, it is it is a much better film. Uh, the original is for all of that. It wasn't wasn't. Um, who else was in there? Was Ernest Borgnine in that? Oh, it, yeah, it was kind of like an all. The, the the disaster film period was pretty much an all star cast thing, where you'd get like anywhere from. 10 to 15 named actors um, from film and television and you'd put them in uh, you'd put them in peril and Mm -hmm. have a significant number of them die terribly Uh, 1972 is when that came out and you had um, Shelley Winters Mm -hmm. in that that. Uh, Red Buttons Roddy McDowell Mm -hmm. Stella Stevens Jack oh I forgot Jack Albertson was in that oh yeah Pamela Sue Martin, who was the original television Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. I still get that theme going through my head every now and again for the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew mysteries. I do too, actually. Uh, uh, but yeah, that is... It, it doesn't have the president in it, but it's a good disaster flick. Oh, yeah. So well, there's, and, a, there's and, a digression for the day. And certainly um, there have been presidents who have overseen other disasters. Mars Attacks, Jack Nicholson. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the worst presidents in genre because he gets the planet <laughs> conquered. Well, and you have uh, uh, on the on the opposite side of that spectrum, you have Jeff Daniels in Independence Day, who's leading the charge to fight back against Jeff the Daniels. Aliens. No, Is it Jeff? No, Is it Jeff? Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. I'm sorry. Although I, Jeff Daniels as the I president them, would be fine too. I, I get them confused they so are, many times. That's very interesting because they're very. They very rarely play characters who are anything alike. Well, f- physically, though, uh, well, they kind of resemble each other they're sometimes. They're both white guys with blondish hair. Yeah, but every now and again. And, it's, and, and you know, they're of an age. They're, they're similar ages. I think Bill Pullman's younger. Um, maybe. Maybe. I'm not even sure. I frequently get them confused. Cause, well, because when I thought about that the other day, I thought you know, I was I was picturing... Jeff Daniels from the news, the the news, whatever it was, oh, the sure, newsroom. Yeah, right. I was like, no, that's not right. That's not him. That's that's not it. But yeah, for some reason, I cannot ever remember Bill Pullman's name. I don't know why. It's it, you know, dear Mister Pullman, we're sorry. It's, it's one of those things. Now we appreciate inter- your work. Interestingly enough, just speaking of Independence Day, you have the First Lady, played by Mary. Help me. <laughs> Gee whiz. Mary Steenburgen? No, it's not Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> no, I know that I know that's not right. Um I'm looking it up. Well, this, why did I just go blank on that um, name? 
I don't know. The, the, the president in Independence Day Resurgence um, is, uh, we have a female president Mary there. Mary McDonald, yeah. Mary McDonald, thank you. Because she also played a president as Laura Roslin in Battlestar, in Battlestar Galactica. Right. See, it's all connected. It's all connected. Well, it's interesting because some of these characters, you look at who they are, some of the reasons they get cast to play the president in one film seems to largely, it seems to pull from some of their other genre work where you mm-hmm. can feel like that would make it make sense. Uh, the exploring what some of these characters might do as a president in a broader thing, where you can, which you can do in a show like Battlestar Galactica where you can take the time to, to play these things out. And right. actually made Laura Roslin a very interesting character with depth who often made choices that were good or bad and often ended up having to uh, deal with the ramifications. Consequences, yeah. Battlestar Galactica had consequences to that's, their characters. That's true. And, and that, I had a, I had a, there were a couple of times where she made some decisions that felt more hand of the writer-ish. Oh, sure. Than, There's no than question. Th- this makes no sense. Why would you do this? It's only because the writer tells you to do this. Yeah, and I would say there's definitely some of that there, but I think on balance, I found the character to be interesting because it enabled you to see somebody who... You got to be inside the decision-making process right. for good and for ill. And I think that very often we think of these characters, we you know, we, we see them in a movie, very rarely is the president the main character of right. the genre film. Um, so you don't get a sense of the insides of... You know their their mental process, and if you do, it's like super broad strokes. And so, if you saw what uh, Kingsman Golden Circle, um, you know, you've got a president who is objectively a psychopath. <laughs> um, I mean, he, you know, his solution is uh, let the villain win, right? And then kill off, you know, kill off anybody who ever has a drug addiction in the U.S. And then say, oh no, how terrible! They killed all these people. It's like, well, first of all, that's horrible, and second of all, it doesn't actually solve the problem. You're not. <laughs> And it's poor planning. And it's interesting to see the the difference between presidents that are fictional mm. and how they're portrayed versus historical presidents and how they're portrayed. Because with with fictional characters like you know Morgan Freeman as President Beck, or or Mary McDonald as Laura Roslin, or you know any of these. You can do pretty much whatever you want with them right. because they're you, you're, they're created out of whole cloth. Whereas, you know, Richard Nixon shows up in Doctor Who, you have a certain amount of verisimilitude that you need to maintain because that's a real person. Or you can push it like Watchmen did, both in the comic and the and the movie version. The, mm-hmm. the TV show, the the recent TV show, they jumped ahead in time, so it's actually different real life person who's the president right uh but in the in both the comic and the in the movie it was richard nixon on his fifth term in a uh and you can get away with that a little bit more with the with an alternate universe right sure if you haven't seen the new Watchmen series it was robert redford right uh and interestingly enough in both universes um you know you've got a, a conservative and a liberal both of them are overseeing a u.s that is not objectively better either way. Both right. of them have serious, serious problems. And so it's not, in both of them, they don't end up sitting there and going, you know, 
this party is better. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you see in a lot of genre, uh, for example, uh, Transmetropolitan, one of the greatest comic book uh, series to ever meld really, really inappropriate humor and really, really deep philosophical questions about what it means to be human and politics. Um, and it's bloody funny. Um, but the, the there's two presidents in the course of the series. And both of them, and they're op they're in they're on from opposite parties, which are not actually named. Um, and both of them are monsters. Um, one is a larger monster. Sure. One's one's just selfish and and obsessed with power. And the other one is, oh, we've apparently uh, elected the Joker with uh, you know with a human mask on. I mean, it's just he's just a. He, he murders his own wife and child so that he can get his poll numbers will go up. Oh, my. I mean, it's just all these different things. And Spider Robinson, of course, uh, one of the great uh, fictional journalists in, in comic book history and, and uh, honestly, in genre history. Oh, he's uh, a fun writer. Uh, Spider Robinson basically... I'm sorry, not uh, uh, Spider Robinson. Um, uh, Although Spider Robinson is good to read. Oh, yeah. We, and, read, and, and, we and definitely he, recommend Spider Robinson. And I seem to recall him doing something with... Um, uh, a president story at some point too. Let me see if I can find this here. Um, Spider Jerusalem. There we go. Spider Jerusalem, who mm. is who is um, uh, basically your Gonzo journalist kind of character, sure. except with a heart. Uh, Gary Callahan is is the second of the two presidents, and he is just an absolute monster. And and sp the series starts off very much as a spoof of the future and a spoof mm -hmm. of journalism. But as the series progresses, it becomes this very, very dark, very, very emotional thing with really bad jokes and, and inappropriate things happening. Um, like but, the, but the last arc is, is Jerusalem basically going, this guy has got to be, we, someone's got to take him down mm -hmm. because he is, he is a, he's, a, he's a monster and he's going to destroy us all. And it's just, you know, how, how does one crazy drug, drug addicted alcoholic uh, uh, probably a sociopath journalist who has this tiny little, tiny little piece of of ethics and heart that he can't get rid of. Yeah. How does he save the world from somebody who is so much more powerful than? Yeah, and it's funny. It's it's funny you should describe him like that, but because aren't most journalists sociopaths? <laughs> Well, there you know, there's there's an argument for there's an argument for a, uh, that being a job that a sociopath should go to because mm. you should, the, the separation take, take the take the, 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 the personal out of it, emotions sure. out of it and just do the story. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's a fantastic it's it, the uh, comic book series. Um, goodness, long it's been over for. 20 years, I think, probably. Yeah. Um, but it's still out in trade paperback and definitely pick it up. Transmetropolitan. I highly recommend it. But be warned. Um, it's it's very much an adult comic. And it's also very much a... Um, if, you, if you are easily offended, um, the comic book goes out of its way to sit there and go, poke, 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 uh, to pretty much every... And of course, it's, you know, it's uh, Garth Ennis and it's a British... Uh, you know, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's America from an outsider's point of view. So don't expect it to be particularly. Uh, well, Garth know. Garth Ennis has a tendency to do that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, but it like I said, it's it's also an extremely well written science fiction comic, um, and 
actually turns out to be about things. Who knew you could do that? You, Comic you, books? You draw them in. Those are funny picture books. You draw them in with, with the with the tasteless jokes uh -huh. and the ultraviolence, and then you sit there and go, now that I've got your attention, yes. let me tell you a story. Um, which, you know, <laughs> now that now that the dog has your attention. <laughs> for those for those who are listening to this in a podcast, uh, junior office dog Penny has gotten into my lap and will not settle down stop now um that's hardly the only outsider's portrayal of an american president which is not particularly not kindly um uh, 2000 ad the, the home of judge dread yes uh the uh president bob booth of the u.s is the one who is responsible for the world of 2000 ad mm -hmm. and the judge dread because he got his finger on the button and he uh, launches the nukes thinking somehow that America will survive the exchange and uh, dear kids at home no one survives a nuclear exchange <laughs> it's uh, if the day ever comes um, yeah it's all it's all a mess after that your post-apocalyptic futures are, are not bright um, and neither is the world of Judge Dredd um, but uh, uh, he is the uh, the trigger for the dystopian future um, uh, that um, the Carl Urban film shows much better yeah. than the Sylvester Stallone film. Now, speaking of presidents that are triggers, you have a, a president who's the MacGuffin in Escape from New York. Right, right. And it's uh, Donald what Pleasance it is. is. We have to go rescue the president. Yes, and he is not a nice person. <laughs> Um, now, Donald Pleasance is, was not known for paying, playing particularly cuddly people. Right. Um, he, he uh, of course, if you're a horror fan, you, you might know him uh, as well from the Halloween, the first of the Carpenter Halloween films. Uh, but uh, I think he made it through the... wasn't in three, because none of the original cast were. I think he made it to four. I think he died during the shooting of four. I I'm not sure. I think it was, I think well, it was that well, one. Did, um, wasn't he also a Bond villain in... Oh, yeah, in he was Blowfield. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, Pleasance, Pleasance was a fantastic villain. I, from I hear he was actually a pleasant person, and you know, some people enjoyed working with him. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, he. Uh, well, none of none of the presidents in the Escape from universe are particularly <laughs> nice people. No. Uh, and, but yeah, Donald Pleasance basically was. You know, <laughs> when Snake Plissken is kind of like, why am I rescuing this guy? Yeah. <laughs> are we sure I can't leave him behind to die? <laughs> But no, that was you know he had to get had you know, they were gonna blow him up if he didn't save him. So, um, and it's a classic example of well, and there's a great bit at the end. Spoiler alert for for the original film where he gives a speech, and uh, Pliskin gets his revenge. Um, uh, very entertaining stuff. But it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Ah, it's, just, it's it's fun. And oddly enough, Escape from L.A. is it's a it's not a good movie, and it doesn't hold up well with comparing it to Escape from New York. But it has its fun parts. There's parts of it to enjoy. Yeah. Um, I, you know, surfing parts, not so much. Um, but there's other, there are parts of it that are that are fairly fun. I mean, it's one of those films where you definitely have to look at it and go, okay, I'm going to kill an hour and a half and just giggle. Because it's that, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have necessarily the weight. And that's a weird thing to say about Escape from New York because... The weight of Escape from New York. Well, it, yeah, because 
you know, Escape from New York doesn't have the baggage of the sequels. Right. You know, any any time you're dealing with sequels in a in a franchise, if if the first one is a hit, mm-hmm. Star Wars, um, Star Trek the Motion Picture. I mean, it, for all the criticism that Star Trek the Motion Picture gets, it made money. Sure. And justified Star Trek Two, which was the big hit. Mm-hmm. And of course, you had the Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars, but you have Alien. You have Blade Runner, which right. you know eventually gets a sequel, um, but you have all of these different first movies that do really well, and they you know they hit the zeitgeist, and they you know blockbusters or box office or whatever you know buzz, people talk about it, they're popular, whatever. Right. Even if it's just a cult hit, sure. Um, then the anything that comes after that has the baggage of being compared to the first oh, yeah. one. yeah, and you look at something like Blade Runner uh, 2049, one of the reasons it took so long to make the movie was because how do you follow Blade yeah. Runner? Especially considering that Blade Runner uh, had grown at such, you know, had, had become such a, a piece of, you know, genre history and this this tentpole that you built an entire subgenre of science fiction out of how do you follow that up and and overall I'm um, the fact that we got as good a film in Blade Runner oh, 2049 was, was I, really I had, good I, I really it. enjoyed it the fact that we got as good a film mm-hmm. is kind of amazing um, visually it's gorgeous it's set in the world it updates that world well and uh, and, and it, it's consistent it's consistent with the original yeah. because that's one of the complaints that I've got with modern Star Trek is updating technology to the point where it looks more advanced in the prequel than in original series and that bugs me no end if you're going to if you're going to set in any universe in any franchise if you're going to tell a story in that universe it needs to be consistent with what we've seen in that universe already the only problem well i think i think that one of the things that discovery does pretty well is that it evokes the visual aesthetic? So, like when you see that when you see the Enterprise in Discovery, it's not identical, right? But it evokes it enough that you sit there because because the technology we technology marches on genre aside. No, I get so that. the 1960s Star Trek and what they were able to build on a set with their budget versus what you can do now. These things come into consideration, which I think is what you know when when they redesigned the uniforms for Discovery, the original series uniforms, mm-hmm. they made them look enough like the original series uniforms. And frankly, I find them more visually interesting to look at than say the 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 JJ Abrams Star Trek uniforms, which are closer to the original series in design. Yeah, but I actually kind of like the, and part of it's just. Well, there's just, there's just a cool updating version of the new uniforms from Discovery. Well, so, that's, I mean, you look at that's that you thing. being that's you being a production designer. That is me no, being a production that's designer. That's art, art uh, director. And, and it is. And I think that. And it, but as a production designer, I would look at if I was going to update the original series look, I would probably come up with something along the same lines of what they did, because I would want it to feel. I would I would want the bridge layout to be the same. Mm-hmm. I would want the color scheme. Even though the colors, even though the color scheme of the original TV series Enterprise 
from a long-term let's operate in this space under color theory. Right. Bad colors to live in. Bad. Co I mean, and and that's just one of those things. Human. The human brain well, reacts to color in a certain way over periods of time. Yeah. And the other blah, thing. Blah, blah. The other thing that bugs me about that is the fact that Pike's Enterprise didn't have those colors. If you go back and you look at at the cage, sure. it was all blues and grays. It was it was muted tones. The red stuff didn't show up until they redid it with with. Well, and I think I think that some of that comes out of uh, the majority of public perception of a thing. So if you see the Enterprise set before the movies, you're expecting such and such a thing. Oh, okay. For fine. for most viewers, but again. Consistency, oh, yeah. consistency well, yeah. with what what you've got before, sure. you know it. It's just <sighs> there's a neat little thing though in Discovery, which which I which I thought was fun, is it explains why you don't have holographic screens in the original series. Mm. It's that they were very very easy to hack by sure. by by AIs, and Christopher Pike hated them. He's like, I hate these things. Give me a give me a screen. I don't want these hologram stuff. And so part of the Part of the the fallout of Discovery season two is that um, Federation's like, well, we don't we'll just use regular screens for a while, and then they come and you you see them in Picard now, but of course enough time would have passed, the technology sure. would march on, et cetera, et cetera. But that was a nice little a nice little throwaway where it's kind of like, you know, Pike's like, I just don't like these holograms; they're just really irritating. Yeah, and it's like, well, actually. This is like the common sense response to every hologram system in, in, in every genre thing. It's like, these things are hard. You can see through them. I can see people. How can I make out details? When I got somebody's <laughs> face lurking behind yeah. the text. It's like, what well, Bob, it's, would you move? It's, <laughs> I can't read that. It's not just that. It's, it's, it's a bad visual design. It becomes, well, because, you know, we've got holograms now, sort mm. of, that hologram technology sure. and whatnot. But you're right. It's it's one of those things where just because we can do a thing, it doesn't necessarily follow that we should do that thing. And and it's and it's well, it's an example of an example of a thing that it's it's a rule of cool visual. These things, and you look at something like Minority Report, which was actually I think a big trigger for a lot of this. The mm. whole scene with Tom Cruise doing the things it's visually it's a very cool scene and it's nifty yeah but you look at if you talk to somebody who's actually like you know an ergonomics designer how does the human being actually use this thing see and that's something when, just go, like, ah! when we were when we were watching picard <laughs> we were watching the third episode of picard mm -hmm. and uh, michelle hurd's character rafi i think is her name she's the she's the one that now hates him Oh yeah, she's yeah. She's, he sends her all of this, you know. Here's all of the information that I've got on this thing, and she's sitting there, and it's all holographic stuff, and it's whoosh, 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 and I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of like when Tony Stark does all of his yeah. thing in the Avengers movie. I think, how does that work exactly? It's a it's and, a visual and shorthand. why is why is it that everybody is doing this now? This is now a thing all over the place, it's, and it's just it, irritating. It visually, it visually appeals to audiences apparently. Now, I did I I have more of a problem with that than I have with the virtual piloting things because a lot of this stuff apparently what they're doing for for and they've done this in Star Trek before is sort of the hard light something you can manipulate that. Oh right, and so when he's flying with those, visually that bothers me less. I'm I'm not sure exactly about the logic of it, mm. 
but it visually doesn't bug me as much as, you know, the, at, at least she has the excuse of her background is a dark desert. Still. I know, but even then, I mean, that's still, like, it's, no, but, it's annoying. You know, Bob oh, isn't yeah. standing behind her. Yeah, you know, or standing behind her screen, getting in the way of, of reading the text. There's you've got a you know, you've got darkness at least. Screen and that stuff <laughs> moves awful fast. I know. I mean, it's just it's 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 very again. It, it's a visual thing that people think is cool, but from a practical level. Mm. Now, um, if if you were paying attention, you will have noted that I quoted another president there a, f a few minutes ago. Just because we can't do a thing doesn't mean we must do a thing. Mm -hmm. I I may have paraphrased it a little right, bit, yeah. um, but the president of the Federation of Planets, mm -hmm. United Federation of Planets. The second one that we saw in the Star Trek films, played by Kurtwood, uh, uh, Kurtwood Smith. Right. Yeah. And although, if you if you did not recognize him, don't don't be surprised. It's it's actually a pretty interesting makeup job. It's it's fun. Now it's he he's not Delton. Um, I can't remember. I, think, I know. Have they said? Yeah, his race. His race uh, was given a name, and I can't remember which. Because there's it was. another one on the Saratoga, mm. in in Star Trek Four. Um, and we have a president of the Federation there who's human, and then we have the president Ra Ragaretti, I think is his name, that was Kurtwood Smith. And there's a scene, and we were actually talking about this the other day, this, you know, because we were talking about this different Star Trek movies and which one was better and, and all that. The scene where he's getting briefed on the rescue mission, which is a deleted scene, it's in the extended cut. Right. But you have uh, Rene Abergenois as Colonel West, and they've got the diagrams of the blocks, and here's where we are, and we're going to do all right, of this. Right. And what bugs me about that scene is you've got civilian contractors in the office with the president. Who knows what their security clearance is, right? right? And you have the Romulan ambassador in that room and the Vulcan ambassador. Now, Sarek, not so much. Okay, he's... He's Sarek, and you you know his history. Right, yeah. But the Romulan ambassador. This would be like, um, okay, let, I'm, I'm just going to pull different elements, right, right, not right. not being political or anything. But say our, our embassy in Tehran comes under attack, mm -hmm. right? And the president has to put together a rescue mission. And the ambassador for communist China is sitting in the room when we get briefed. You don't do that kind of thing. Right. They're the enemy. You know, the Romulan or, being... Or at the very least, not an ally. Not an ally. But I'm like, why? Don't do this. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Now, it works for the hand of the writer for the story because the Romulan right. ambassador is the conspirator in all of this. But I'm like, it, you right. don't... that. Poorly designed security for that particular setup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, um, there have been, in, in the Star Wars universe, Princess Leia actually technically was the second president of the, um, Repu the New Republic. Mon Mothma was the first. Although, technically, she's not called president. Right, but that's but the role. The chief counselor. The chief, yeah, yeah. And, and so, of course, that did not last into the new sequels. Um, of course, real life people have been uh, become president in fiction. Um, mm -hmm. Oprah Winfrey has been president. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been president in genre. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger has been president in multiple locations. He's been president in Doctor Who. He's been uh, reminder. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger is not eligible to no, run for he president. He cannot be president. However, he has been in The Simpsons uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Doctor Who and uh, Demolition Man. Yeah. Have you seen... It's been going around on social media, so you probably haven't, given that you're, you know, just not like that. as much as I used to be. There is going around right now, I think it's the title sequence to an animated show from a late 80s, 90s called The Governator. It's basically it's basically a show and I I don't remember I kind of remember it but I don't really remember I never watched it. Mm-hmm. But the premise is Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually a cyborg. Oh, okay, sure. And as governor and as a cyborg, he's also a superhero. Of course, with and a secret lair and all these other things. Yeah, so, right, right. But yeah, I think that I think it's the title sequence has been floating around on the internet for for a little bit here <laughs> in the last few days. It's 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 interesting to watch. Oh, no question, I'm sure. Um, speaking of Doctor Who, there's another president uh, that we learned of during Peter Capaldi's run, and that's the Doctor himself. Yes, President of Earth. Right. During what was that? In, what was that episode? It was, who was invading uh, at the time? Well, let's see. Uh, well, I think the that was a. Well, the master was involved. The, the was that? I think it first came up in the Zygons. In the Zygons. The, the Zygon inversion. I think. Um, I think I'm not sure that's right, but I, it was in that period of time. Yeah, um, where uh, very much they were just like, look, we got to have somebody, and it's going to be the guy who keeps saving us. Um, He's also been president of the Time Lords. Yes, he has. Uh, and uh, although they, the first chance he got, he he ran, ran for a bit. Um, and <laughs> I al- would too. Although I... in in the spinoff media in the novels, his actual keeping the role of president and almost president in exile. Um, you know, he was. Uh, there was a couple of different time lords who were acting president while the doctor was away until mm. they finally sat there when look he's not coming back um, and he tried to take advantage of the fact that he was president of the time lords and some of the spinoff media it went about as well as you would expect oh sure um, well and and Rassilon ended up ending up being a villain president president eternal yeah uh, presidents have not fared very well well the upper level of time time lord society is uh pretty much in every every time it's been shown um, it's pretty clear that um, the Time Lords managed to put a lot of people in power mm-hmm. who are not well-adjusted individuals. They, sure. they tend to lean toward megalomania. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps, you know, mass genocide. Um, you know, well, part of the problem comes from the name Time Lord. It, it implies a certain amount of, I'm better than you. Oh, sure. Um, and if you happen to be of a villainous bent, or at least a uh, morally flexible one, uh, slapping the word, word "lord" on there may not be the best of all possible things. Well, there's the other the other part of that is you have um, you have these you know stories where um, somebody gets a little bit of power, and then they want a little more power. Sure, a little more power. And a little more power. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. And then you have somebody like President Zephod Beeblebrox. 
<laughs> who, you know, was like, sure. Saphod's just this guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Does he want power or not? Well, um, he wants he wants power so he can have lots of sex, drink a lot, and play. He wants, he wants what he can get from the power. Not right, the, yeah, Not yeah. the fact that he has power, but just the idea of having power. He, well, and in the Hitchhiker's Guide universe, power does not actually re rest with the president. Right. Uh, the president is very much a figurehead, and so Zaphod being a relatively... Well, the worth of Zaphod Beeblebrox can be questioned in a multitude of ways. So he's perfect, actually, for the role of president because it actually has very little power. Mm. Um, now, there's also a trend in science fiction and, and genre for the reluctant or unplanned presidency. The person, Laura Roslin, was an example of that. Right. Uh, somebody who, they didn't run for president. That was not their goal. They had a different role in mind. She was education president, wasn't she? Wasn't yes, she, she was secretary of education. Right. Um, and uh, you mentioned on, on uh, Jack McDevitt's new book, mm -hmm. uh, and his novel Moonfall um, was an example of uh, well, it's a disaster. It's a disaster movie, in, in essentially um, played much more seriously than say Armageddon. Um, but the president there, uh, the president in Footfall, the president in uh, you know, Nevin and Pornell, um, the, something happens in the course of the science fiction novels where the president or the, or the upper levels of government are wiped out and mm. someone has to step into the role. Right. Um, and there was a, um, that happened in, in there's another one. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. There's a Tom Clancy story along those lines as well, oh, sure. where mm -hmm. um, Jack Ryan becomes the president. Right, and of and the if you it, there was uh, um... which I, does that does that predate Air Force One? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So so Jack Ryan becoming president happened before Harrison Ford played the president because you know he played Jack Ryan. I'm well, okay, let me, let me say that. I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. I'm I'm thinking um, that it was. And I think that that's one of the things that, that I think people really kind of enjoyed about Air Force 1. Um if I can find Get off my plane. Yeah, no good. <laughs> uh, well, not you're looking at there there's uh, there's one president that has had an impact without ever being seen mm -hmm. in Stargate. Oh yeah. Where you have all of the times where somebody has to call the president, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, I don't know how many times, how many times did General Hammond call the president and kind of basically pull rank my I know somebody higher up than you know somebody card, right? Yeah, yeah. When dealing with Mayborn or uh, John Delancey's character or, or pretty much anybody else. Uh, you know, see this phone? All I have to do is push a button. Right, yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. fun. And that president never shows up. Right. But he's a constant presence in, in Stargate, which I thought was interesting. There's an interesting thing that, that, that people will do is when they're trying to make a film, and they do it in genre films as well as any other time a president shows up in fiction, um, where you'll see like the back of their head 
Yeah. And depending on who it is. So it's like, that's the back of Bill Clinton's head. That's the back of Reagan's head. That's the back of uh, Obama's head. That's, you know. Or George they, Steinbrenner. And they just don't see, you know, and then you hear somebody's voice who is close uh-huh. enough. Um, I was thinking uh, the president, there's a couple of them in comics. And, of course, we're getting a uh, Why the Last Man series. And they say that's what they say. And uh, the former secretary of agriculture becomes the president mm. after the rest of the cabinet is, is killed. Uh, Professor, uh, pr- sorry, President Jennifer Capper from Kingdom Come uh, is a survivor of, uh, but also a someone who she doesn't, she doesn't actually run for president, but gets elected anyway because, right. and that's the fallout of the disaster in Kansas that triggers the events of the Kingdom Come uh, series, which of course is. Uh, one of the great classics of potential future of the DC universe. Right. Well, and, and, um, oh, I just, my thought, um, uh, speaking of presidential heads, you know, you have Richard Nixon, again, Richard Nixon showing up in Futurama. Oh, yeah. Well, you have the, you have the... Mm-hmm. At, oh yeah, well, Legends of Tomorrow. The truth bug. Yeah, the uh, the truth. So you had yes, the truth bug in in Richard Nixon. And Richard Nixon shows up in Legends of Tomorrow. Um, an, uh, a very young Barack Obama shows up in an episode. Um, I don't know what other presidents have been in Legend that they they did an entire two or three f- episode arc mm-hmm. in Reagan's White House, but we never saw Reagan. Uh, so yeah, that uh, presidential politics has kind of shown up in Legends of sure. Tomorrow. It's not been a a, a main piece, right? But... Well, and you can go back. You can go back a ways into the early parts of uh, the presidencies, or the early, certainly the the more historical parts. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and 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 even before that, Abraham Lincoln in Star Trek. Yes, because mm-hmm. he shows up in the episode "The Savage Curtain," um, which I thought was interesting because, you know, despite the fact that it's kind of an odd episode, it does give us some insight into James Kirk because, you know, it 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 feeds into Kirk as a cowboy, but it also. It also shows the the diplomat uh, aspects of the Kirk character, you know, because he's he's the admirer. He admires Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and nowadays you couldn't get away with that because if you had a brand new show where you had a Jim Kirk captain of the ship who admired Abraham Lincoln. Social media would just blow up. I'm not sure that would be the uh, case for Lincoln. I mean, if you, uh, it depends on. It kind of just depends on, and what you admired them for. I mean, because certainly, um, you know, there's a. Um, some presidents have been better than others. I mean, well, that's true. But you know, um, you know, we. We then there's potential presidents. Of course, we never we never have uh, voted uh, for Cthulhu for president, but he's been running for I know, ages. Right, right. You know, he's talk about your eternal candidate. <laughs> yeah, no uh, kidding. Uh, one one day he will he will pass the write-in uh, mm. threshold, and uh, we will actually end up with him on the ballot. I I 
I have a terrible feeling. <laughs> I, you know, it makes me wonder which, which would be better, President Cthulhu or President Scroob? I guess the question is, what are your, what is your personal end goal? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, either way, you're, you're, you know, it's a disaster in the making, but yeah, but it's, it's what kind of disaster it's how, do you want? How, uh, how do you want to go out? Really, is the question? Pretty is, much. What is your... Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, um, the Dead Zone. Stephen King mm -hmm. uh, goes back to uh, an evil president. Um, the Johnny, the main character of the Dead Zone, is trying to stop. The man who is running from president from uh, becoming president because he can see into the future and he right. can see that this will be a terrible thing. And um, that character was played by Sean Patrick Flannery mm -hmm. in the in the USA series that Anthony Michael Hall played Johnny, right. mm -hmm. which actually was pretty good, all things considered, uh, and surprisingly well mm -hmm. played out particularly well. Uh, Hunger Games, of course, for the for you fans of young adult and both the, the novel and the and the movies. Uh, President uh, Snow. President Snow, who uh, was replaced, or attempted to be replaced, uh, President uh, Coyne, who was you know fighting against him, the great mm -hmm. freedom fighter, who turned out to be just as bad, sure, just a different flavor of, of awful. Do you see he's getting a prequel, uh, Snow? There's a there's a Hunger Games prequel in the works that's going to focus on his rise to power. And people are all sorts of up in arms because it's another white man getting a story. And I'm like, really? Is that that's your takeaway? Well, um, I mean, my problem. Well, it's, it's my question is, do we even need it? No, we don't need it there's, at there's, all. There's absolutely no. There's no reason you. for this. Um, uh, oh yeah, uh, if this goes on, Robert Heinlein, mm -hmm. um, where the president uh, uh, basically. Instituted a theocratic takeover of the U.S., um, which I think led to some degree to. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the Heinlein novel, um, Fifth Column. Oh, okay. Uh, which I think was sort of a fallout because it's part of Heinlein's future history where the U.S. went through a, a, a theocratic stage, uh, went led to a second American Revolution, where blah blah blah. Uh, but certainly, there's there been these kind of characters. And pretty much it's genre. Genre likes play. Well, it's positions of power and, and, and the influence of power and the dangers of power. Yeah. Um, and in some cases. But there, you know, there have been noble presidents I in, think, in, in genre. Well, I think, too, the other thing, I think one of the reasons why uh, the two kind of go together is you have certain certain aspects of genre where... You know, the time travel story. Would you go back and save JFK? You know, sure, that right. that kind of thing. And so JFK featured fairly prominently in some of those, some of those uh, scenarios where, you know, w what are you going to do? And and of course, people still think that he's alive and he's in the top floor of the White House and he and the alien cohorts are advising the president. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, um, no, I don't. I don't think that's the case. Um, no, and quite frankly, considering the the things were actually medically wrong with Kennedy, yeah, um, he would be he would have died by now anyway. Yeah, there's there's no well, you know, just there's no way that he could still. No, and and quite frankly, um, um, although the although medical technology might be able to fix the 
back problems he was having. Alien medical technology. A- there we could go. Have okay. saved him. There we go. Maybe maybe it did. Maybe that's how he's still around. Is because the alien sat there and went, "Wow, your back's a mess." Right. I wouldn't right. mind aliens fixing my back. Yeah, your back is anywhere near <laughs> as bad. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, uh, sure, why not? I'm, sure, I'm why not? I can't remember the name of the. I can't remember the name of the short story. And I think it was Clive Barker, but I'm not sure. Where the secret history of the U.S. was that mm. our presidents were all cannibals worshiping a dark god. Uh, and, well, there's a thing. And um, these these people stumble across it and discover that there are as um, the um, the philosophical viewpoints that we've come to expect from the differences that we, you know, there's tons of writings on how the founding fathers didn't all see this thing the same way. And you'd have these like clashes of ideologies within the greater, you know, they came to, they came sure. to terms with the U S right. but then you find out in the, and I think it's in this short story that you find out that, that they've been warring with each other over all the, you know, they're, they're not just, they're like little, little presidential cults. <laughs> that have been fighting uh, uh, behind the scenes and and kind of like the eugenics wars, how they played out in Greg Cox's book. Yeah, except right. that you know it's it's these like you know uh, Madison versus Jefferson only the bloodshed that's still going on, and of course they eat they the the winner eats the it's just like oh my, <laughs> but I want to say it was Clive Barker because it was just like it, part of it's it just like kind of sounds insane, like... but at the same time it ends up playing with this like yeah wait, but. What if, <laughs> what if, what if Washington was like, oh, people, you know, it's like, ah. <laughs> so you, we mentioned, we mentioned Abraham Lincoln in Star Trek and Abraham Lincoln in Vampire Hunter. Right. He also shows up in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Party on. Be excellent to each other. Party on. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, not a bad philosophy. I suppose. I mean, you know, I'm I'm, the, I'm not much for the partying on part, just because no, you know I, getting up in the morning is harder. But um, the be excellent to each other—that's that's a worthwhile sound thing. advice. It's sound sure. advice. I'd be I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you cannot uh, you, you cannot avoid some of the big ones here. Uh, you of course have um, the unnamed president from Failsafe, which is a alternate history. Really, um, Henry Fonda played him in the '64 movie, um, and that's the one where they're trying to stop a nuclear oh, attack. Oh, right, right. Uh, and um, it's—I think one of the better, you know, what if the what if we have to stop the bomb? Mm. There were a string of things like that where it's like we were you're sure. racing to to stop someone from starting a war. Um, of course, and then you have the president from Doctor Strangelove. Doctor Strangelove, uh, who benefits uh, more than anything being played by Peter Sellers, uh, because as presidents go, he's not the greatest. Uh, but I believe he is the one who has the gentleman, gentleman, you can't fight in here. This is the war, the war room. room. Yes, <clears throat> uh, which is the greatest, possibly the greatest uh, presidential line of all time. <laughs> I think perhaps at least uh, one of the funniest. Um, um, there was an uh, the Iron Sky movies. I think there's two of them now. Um, I've seen the first one. This is the one where the Germans are on the moon. The Germans are on the moon. Yeah. Um, where basically a Sarah Palinesque, 
president, uh, I think in both films. I know she's in the first one. I can't remember. I, I haven't seen the second I one. Think, I think she's in the second um, one. And these are, these are films that... But the first one was done before Palin came on the scene, right? I think no. I think I think um, I think she had been. I think she was running. I think she was is maybe running for VP, or they just lost the election. So they basically, you know, what if she she ended up winning right. something? Um, and these are films that that uh, are not. These are like Mars Attacks level of ridiculous. Yeah, they're, not, they're, I mean, it's Nazis on the moon. It's Nazis on the moon, and um, and then I think the second one is Nazis on the moon and dinosaurs. So. Um, I have not seen the second one, so I cannot speak to that. But it sounds like it could be. Well, it sounds like exactly what it probably is. It's just ludicrous, and, sure. and you're not meant to take that sort of thing seriously. Uh, if you are taking it seriously, um, I don't yeah, know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> There's a president. I I just I just remembered. Um, uh, the president shows up in uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, he's in he, traction the whole time, but and he he's, does not take good. He, he he gets good advice and does not take it. Right. Uh, you got to watch out for those presidents. You if you if you're going to ask an expert and they tell you something, I tell you, it's don't ignore no. their good advice. Uh, there are oh well, and uh, as as much as I I hate to bring attention to the GI Joe movies, the live action ones, because <laughs> I'm not a fan. Um, President Zartan. He was, uh, he, mm. they, he would replace the president and he was actually, the president of the United States was a straight up evil supervillain working for Cobra Commander. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jonathan Price played him. So at least he was played by a good actor. Well, sure. Uh, but uh, again, try to avoid electing uh, people with uh, evil British accents <laughs> to presidencies. Um, first of all, um, they're British. They're not supposed to be technically uh, eligible. Right. Eligible. And I, you know, I'm not nothing against the British. I'm, my family, my family comes from the British Isles. But we had a lot against rules. the British in the 1700s. There are, so there, there that, are rules. that holds that holds out. So, but it, also <clears> the <throat> fact that generally speaking, if your president has an evil accent, don't he's look. Probably yep. e he or she is probably evil. Where in because we've we've touched on a lot of TV and, and movies we mentioned a, a little bit in Heinlein, mm -hmm. the president. It's easy to to portray the president, especially if you're using one of the historical actual presidents in in some of this stuff, but in books, it's kind of hit or miss. We we don't get a president showing up in literary genre as much i don't think unless i'm just reading the different and i'm not, i'm not reading the right stories but well i think i think you end up with things like you know uh president snow or or the hunger games or things like that where you've got a character who if they're the villain of the piece if, uh -huh. if the president or the or the country leader is the villain of the piece you know you might get a depth you know looking into the depth of of who they are and or their rise to power or, or that sort of thing um, but for the most part, again, aside from things where, you know, the vice president or cabinet member has to become president or it's critical, um, unless Earth speaks as a single voice, presidents are not often the main characters. Now, no. um, uh, Harry Turtledove, with his, his alternate, history with alternate histories, yeah. uh, certainly his World War II novels where the... Uh, the aliens invade during World War II. 
the the leaders of the country it's become characters because yeah. you know and and that's sort of an alternate history there where you're well it's sort of an alternate it's an alternate it history an the alternate. aliens did not invade during world war ii as far as we are aware well and you've got um not a president but you have uh uh stalin in dc comics red sun which sure. is the alternate the alternate uh an elseworlds telling of superman's history what if superman had landed in russia right and not in the United States, as there's you a have really, Stalin in that. There's a really fantastic, I can't remember the name of the author, but the series is called Uber, an Uber invasion, and mm. it's, it's the German Uber, yeah. uh, like Ubermensch, which right. is the over. Uh, um, and it's basically, what if someone developed a way to turn um, people into, um, superhero isn't the right word, uh, what if there's a way to give, basically create humans as as uh, something akin to the power set of a superhero during World War II and how this became a weapon um, and the Germans get them, develop the technology, the Americans develop the technology, um, mm. or actually the Americans don't develop the technology because they're looking from the atomic weapon angle. Right. So somebody else is developing it first. The Russians get it and and the Japanese get it. And Germany develops it first, and so the, the war suddenly turns where you and they actually have names. They they actually have classes. Like this class of power set is a battleship. This class of power set is, and it's a extremely grim series because it sits there and goes, okay, it's war. War is hell. What right. happens if it was, you know, you're on a battlefield and you see this person walk up to you and he's a little oversized and then with the flick of his hand, he kills a thousand of you. You know, mm. it's just like, and, right. and and it's a long running series. I think it's probably, there's two different arcs, Uber and Uber Invasion because the, the war comes to the U.S. Right. Uh, and it's it's really, really well done. And of course, the political figures actually become main characters uh, because there's, you know, they have to deal with the world that they're living in. Um, and um, it, I can't remember which, I have to look it up here. Uh, but it's really interesting. Um, and it's, like I said, it's really kind of disturbing because it's like, okay, logical, realistic implications and, and consequences to this. What happens if? Yeah. You know, and, and when that's handled well, and then genre fiction is a place you can do that. You can explore the horrible repercussions of what if the wrong person is in power when somebody pushes the button. Now, you know? the the question, what happens if? Um, it kind of opens the door here for. So let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: Would you consider Dave to be in any way genre? Because you it's have a fantasy. an identical doppelganger between Dave and the president, and it's 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 a comedy. It's kind of a romantic comedy in some places. Mm -hmm. Would would you would you go so far as to as to put it into the fantasy category of sorts? Uh, well, it, well, it, it's definitely a kind of fantasy. For a number of reasons. One, because nobody is that much of a doppelganger it goes unnoticed for as long as that sure. happens. Um, and but but certainly um, 
it's an optimistic view of the presidency that I think that, um, and I hate to say this because it's it, it, it would be really, really nice to think that the good people get in power and try to make things better. And and I think... I mean, the, the balanced budget element alone would make it fantasy, I would think. Well, yeah, among other things. Um, but also the fact that they would sit there and, and you would literally have uh, the ability and... and However much you might want to think of the whatever whatever your political leanings are, the president getting into office and going, okay, this is how we're going to make things better, and going mm -hmm. through and figure going through the line item budget with an accountant and going, let's make this happen. Yeah, that's not how the process works, <laughs> and there are ways. I mean, the fact that you could even make it happen that way is such a lovely thought that is not a functional one. It just doesn't, that's not how the system, and the system is set up to move slowly for good reasons. Right, right. You don't want someone to come in there and make sweeping changes because that way lies a lot of danger. Um, and so there's a lot of checks and balances to keep that from happening. Well, but they're it's, supposed to be. They're supposed to be. Yeah. But it's a really nice thought that you can sit yeah. there and go, you know, hey, we can move this money around and we can make people's lives better. Because we've got you know, we've we've got the money, we just have to figure out how to spend it right. Right. It's a neat idea, and the idea that that somebody would get into get into the presidency, and and do something like the speech at the end, where you mm. know, it's it's a it's very Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It is. It is, and the, and it's a it's a lovely idea, and I would love. It would be great if it was a reality. Unfortunately. <laughs> I don't see that, it, that, that. Well, see, but see, the thing is, you if you go, if you take it further, because at one point Dave figures out, quote unquote, I'm the president, and when he starts to start take action on his own, without his handlers saying right, yeah. yes do this don't do this whatever and he started well i'm the president you can't stop me because i'm the president yeah, right that, that way has its own that way has its own set of risks yeah yes. because at that point you know yes at the end of the at the end of the movie we kind of set things back to the way they're supposed to be so we can get out right but he could stay well, and yeah, and, you and are, then you have dystopian futures like, well, I'm the president. Yeah, and, that, and, and that becomes that be, you know the 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 concern you would then have is okay. It's great if a genuinely kind-hearted person gets in is is yeah. there, um, but also the question is, um, you know, the sequel that never happened was that President Nance. Has an evil doppelganger. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And he ends up in charge of the Ten Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, crossover. Okay. Uh, Uber is by uh, uh, Kieran Kieran Gillen. Uh, it's from Avatar Press. Okay. And um, the uh, yeah, you can't for the folks at home, you can't see that, but you can see. I mean, that's oh right. Yeah, right. I mean, it, yeah. it it goes right to the strength of. Oh God! Oh God! This is you know this is a, a nightmare. But it's extremely, like I said, it's extremely well done. Um, and and if you happen to be uh, to think some some logical culmination of how would how would uh, somebody in Russia who develops the powers uh, or is is given the powers, um, but who is not a fan of Stalin, um, mm. and is and the Communist Party wants to use them as a weapon, how well might that go? Uh, especially after. Um, 
you know, the starvation and, and right. you know, the, the bad side of the, the, the Russians were dealing with the, with the war there. Well, interesting, a, interesting, interesting series. You get a little bit of that with Red Sun as well. Where, oh, sure. you know, uh, Kalel is basically, you know, I have all these powers. I should be able to help people. And you have the Communist Party basically saying, well, yes, you have to help the right people. Not right. all the people. Well, and, that was, you know, that was one of the, the major fundamental flaws with the communist structure anyway. It was like, we're all in this together. I and wish people us, would remember that. Some of this, are, well, there's, there's, I think there are very few people who are actually uh, outside of, outside of those whose job it is to go for the Communist Party, um, you know, in, in China and places like uh, that. But there are very few people who, well, actually, I take, I take, I take, I take the back. There's, there's a trend, in, there's, there's a modern trend in Russia to actually look back at that as a positive thing. a modern thing. trend in the United States to look at that. But and not, say, not look, well, hey, let's do this No, thing. not looking at communism that way. Uh, um, and, and, the, and, the, and the modern, the quote-unquote socialist uh, tag that, that even people like Bernie Sanders are using isn't actually socialism. So uh, well. by... By any polit by any political uh, uh, scientist's definition, it's not socialism. Well, what whatever you're calling it, it hasn't worked very well for Venezuela. But they're not. But that's so. but that's not what that's not even remotely what people are looking at in the U.S. for Venezuela. Venezuela's got okay. its own set of issues too. Okay, that, that socialism is but a part of. It's a part yeah. of, but it's a it's not their only problem. It's never worked anywhere it's been tried. Well, so that's it's it again. It, it's a whole. It's a it, we we get into a label thing with with some of this stuff that uh, let's let's face it. Well, human it, beings are crap at labels. Well, and you and I have talked about the fact that that. In in certain circumstances, you know, not just in politics, but when you have a thing, what meets human beings? Oh yeah, no disaster yeah. and hilarity. In theory, communism on paper has a certain amount of logic. Certain amount. Let me qualify that. The problem is that once you when, once you add people, yeah, it, it never becomes, works. It be, never works. You get Jamestown, the, Virginia. Well, and the, the 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 reality there ends up being that people. And this, and this actually ties into the president thing, by the way, um, is that once you have people who are in a position of power, unless, if they have the tendency to use that power for their own benefit, mm. um, they become evil presidents, uh, or they end up in the heart, and in, in if you have a structure like communism, the people at the top sit there and they want to stay at the top. Because there's a difference between having the nice car, yeah. or nice-ish car, and, and the and the reasonably sized apartment and living in Siberia, there just is. Mm. So, if you don't you want the, to get, moved, you have the DACA out in the woods, right? And you have the you know. And after a while, you become convinced that this is a good thing because you are helping your people. Therefore, you deserve the thing. Of course. Um, and this, of course, this doesn't just bite you in politics. This bite bites you in you know, about. Uh, a lot of a lot of TV evangelists ran into this problem in the eighties and nineties, where yeah. they, uh, you know, doing doing God's work uh, seemed to be a very profitable line. You know who we haven't mentioned yet? <clears throat> I mean, we've mentioned Reagan, but we haven't mentioned Reagan's appearance in The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, that's true. Who because was he's very prominent in that story, right? And he actually—it was, was, was another example. It was, it was kind of a, uh, I think, kind of a nod of the head to to Watchmen, because of course, Dark Knight came out of followed the original Watchmen series, where Reagan is still president, mm. and that would have probably put him on what his fourth, fifth, sixth term, 
something like that. Uh, and he's quite old. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in in um, however you feel about the yes, there were in fact sequels to the Dark Knight Returns. Of, and I hear that three is better than two. Um, three is better than two, but it also was not really written by Frank Miller. Was it Azarello who did it? I think it was Azarello yeah. actually, because the, the co-wrote. Yeah, and yeah. and apparently the the inside word is that he actually was really the prime. Which I, um, Miller may have given this built the story outline, right. but Azarello actually did the did the bulk of the work, which. Considering the, the drop-off in quality between the first one and the second one, it was nice to see it at least come back up. Sure. Um, but um, you know the, you know the in the second one, it's Lex Luthor again. As I recall, he was the president there. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Olsen, uh, I believe, has was president at one point in the comics. I think. Uh, I know he's been a senator. Okay. Uh, by, uh, and a vice wasn't he a vice? I think he was uh, Luther's vice president. No, at one vice point, president wasn't he? was not Jimmy Olsen. It was. Um, Clark Kent's friend from Smallville. Pete Ross. Pete Ross. Pete, Pete Ross, Ross was, was vice president. And I think That's right. I think he was supposed to become president. They were talking about him becoming president after Luther, but then it was I think there was something else in the comic because you know, comic books. Where there's, there's one of those storylines where he got killed off, wasn't it? Um yeah, I think he's been yeah, I think he's, he's been, but I, I think he ended up becoming I think there was some concern he was a a villain in disguise. Mm. If I'm 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 not sure I'm remembering this right. Uh, so he didn't. He didn't end up becoming president. Um, there have been a number of different presidents. In, now, in in comics, they've tended to actually use the president at the time. Often, right. you get that behind the headshot in sure. the comic, sure. where you're just, it's implied to be so and so. Um, and you know, um, Obama has showed up in uh, Spider Man. Uh, yeah, Clinton. I think really that started with Clinton. I think more well. That's not. I don't think that's right. Um, I think that because uh, because well, you had Reagan, you've had Kennedy. Yeah, they, I think uh, I think uh, um, I think it probably actually started in terms of really like interaction. Was uh, there was a storyline, Captain America storyline, where Nixon turned out to not actually be Richard Nixon but somebody mm. else, and so you got uh, uh, Captain America punching Nixon was the visual. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. I think. I think Nixon might have actually, um, and I'm. I'm. I'm not sure this is right. But I think he might have been like the hate monger in disguise or somebody like that. Oh, okay. Um, which, considering that, you know, how how for all Nixon's flaws and and the question of you know the the the, the whole issue with Watergate and some of the things he you know was we've heard him on the tape say and and do, um, you know the in retrospect you know. Um, you did get, you know, only Nixon can go to China and some of the some of the some of the positive stuff that he was doing. So, like a lot of in real life, presidents tend to be like real people and actually have, you know, degrees of good and bad. Good and bad. Where yeah. in fiction, very rarely do you get, you know, because you don't have as much time to tell the story, yeah. right? So if you see an evil president in the movies. You know he's evil because you've only got he's he's really got ten minutes of screen time and so you can't sit there and dive into the fact but but yes he was driven to this by trauma in his youth or or and he really does take care of his puppy exactly I mean yeah. you can't you don't you know it's like <clears throat> you don't get that opportunity now something like um, uh, in Transmetropolitan when you can spend all this time 
you can you can deal with nuance a little bit more. In but the even there, stories. the nuance is no, no. You scratch the evil surface, and there's more evil. You scratch it again, and it's eviler. And then yeah. you keep going down. And you're like, no, no. There's no redemption for this person, and destroying this person is all is the only thing you can do as an ethical choice. Is you have to bring this person down because. They have no hidden core of goodness. Right. It's all, you know, it literally is, you know, it's elephants all the way down to evil elephants. Um, and, you know, Lex Luthor, as a villain, um, you know, uh, well, in, in the Crisis crossover, you actually had Luthor as president. Mm -hmm. And even there, um, you know, Clark on his farm doesn't seem to be up, that upset that... You know, he's not like, you know, jumping for joy, but it doesn't appear like, you know, Luther is a terrible president. Yeah. See, I, I the problem I have with that scene mm -hmm. with the whole with with Tom Welling showing up in crisis is knowing that he still refuses to put on the suit. And so it limits you in what you can do with his version of Clark Kent. But the fact that we he even shows up at all is pretty amazing. That they even got the cat number of people yeah, to show up. And no, build that it, universe. don't get me wrong. All of the cameos that show up is is it was it was fun to oh, see, yeah. but at the same time, there were a lot of them. Wouldn't it be nice that if? could have been so much so much more? Oh, I know. And and the 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 one thing that bugs me, I get having all of these different Clark Kents and Supermans and whatnot. And the different actors that play them, but at the same time, it's different actors playing the same person. Yeah. And the you know, given that the Arrowverse has spent all of this time on how doppelgangers work, right? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. This comes down to the rule of cool. I know it's boy. the rule. I mean, that's all it is. It's 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 it's, it's the best kind of fan service. Fan service can be a terrible, terrible thing. Well, and when, when Ray Palmer says, there's a super me, and I'm like, <laughs> wait, hold it. This is, hold it. This is not, wait. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's, it's a tip of the hat of, to, to fans to sit there and say, yeah, yeah, we know. But yeah. wouldn't it be cool if, you know, can we, can we get a Kingdom Come Superman and can we get... Superman back here we get the right. guy you know yeah we brand, put this in. well and and there's still there's still a rumor that HBO Max is thinking about a Brandon Routh Superman and I would I think that would be a good idea um, now you do have you do have presidents who are put in impossible situations and behave poorly um, you know we mentioned disaster film. We forgot the day after tomorrow. Yeah, um, which is a definitely a disaster film and has some real issues in terms of logic. Um, yeah, that was shot here in Kansas City. And uh, the uh, but uh, decision making, people make poor decisions in times of crisis, mm -hmm. and you could end up with. Uh, Cordial Maltese. Characters who end up coming across because again time you have so much time to tell your story yeah. who come across looking worse than they would probably be in real life um, and uh, not a lot you could do about that in fiction when you've got you know 
two hours to tell your story or or even 12 episodes or uh, certainly the TV show 24 which uh, is not reality uh, in any way shape or form no went through a lot of presidents in the course of that particular uh, 24-hour periods over time it's like you guys realize it's a four-year term right and, and that the actual mortality rate for presidents and in it, office is not that high. And if it gets reelected, it's eight years. Right. So that, that has I, happened. I before. think there's been like four or six different presidents uh, in the 24 universe. Now, 24, you know, again, it's it's genre in the same way that the later Die Hard movies are genre because clearly they're not reality. They've yeah. Gotta be, they've got to be fantasy or science fiction. They have to be. That's not. I mean, at that point, you know, John McClane is a T2. <clears throat> That's what we need is the Die Hard T2 crossover. There you go. Um, that, that's well, that's no, your new direction, no, Terminator franchise. He's, he's unbreakable. Yes, I know. <laughs> Which well, is how he becomes. That's, that's it. That's how you, that's that's how you right. do it. Right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, See, it, the Die Hard movies are secretly part of the whole unbreakable glass universe. Well, yeah, I think as long as he as long as he dies better in the in the Die Hard movies than he did, <laughs> part of part of me really likes that ending because it's so grim. I occasionally like a downer ending. Yeah, but it just, uh, I in fact I enjoy it more the first time I saw it, and then but it just has not held up. Oh, yeah, that may ah oh, I got an idea now. Okay, so uh, a few a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I had this idea for the Incredibles three. Yeah, I figured it out. I figured out who could who could play. Okay, so so the idea you have the the Incredibles, the first right. movie, reestablishes that they're legal. Right. Okay, and and you know gets that whole back to the thing. Well, the second movie now they're actually operating and they're and they're doing stuff. Well, the third movie has to be the team-ups, mm, right? Sure, right, yeah. You have okay. to establish the group, the Justice right, League yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't have a Justice League without a Batman. There has to be a Batman analog. They haven't introduced him yet. Sure, okay, fair enough. And I just now figured out who, we, who, who could play him. It's Bruce Willis. <laughs> Bruce Willis as, as, the, as the character. Right, there you go. Fair enough. And he's... <laughs> He's not. He. It's the same. It's basically Batman, but you don't have the ears on the cowl because copyright and whatnot. Right. Sure. Uh -huh. But he's basically like, yeah, okay, fine. You're all legal, but I still don't trust any of you. I'm gonna work on my own. Well, sure. And our oh. goals might be the same in some cases, but y'all go play in your club. I'm gonna do some real work over here, type of thing. But yeah, ooh, yeah, that would be that would be fun. Get Bruce Willis. Do do that because he's kind of got that growly voice oh, anyway. If you, yeah, if you, if, I'm sure he'd probably have fun leaning into it. Ah, that would be that would be fun. <laughs> All right, one of these days I'm gonna have to pull up the artwork that I that I came up with because I I came up with a concept for Incredibles mm. three, and and just just playing with that and and doing. And he has a cape. Yeah, because well, know, yeah, when Ed when Edna con confronts him. You're still wearing a cape, <laughs> you know. And he just, you know, just huffs at her and walks off and stuff. Swirls his cape and walks off. Yeah, that's right. It just it because that's that's what exactly. Batman's cape does. It's, uh, and it's got to be um, it's got to be a Todd McFarlane 
Oh yeah, cape, there we go. You know, like from ba- from uh, from Batman, your your uh, your one, your yeah, two. incredibly you know, impractical. Yeah, but, the very, but very much swirly, looks cool. Swirly. Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, well, you know, they could find you a version. You could basically use the product, the design from Bat Manual, from the Tick comic, not 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 the. Not the, the various versions of media because he never quite looked like what he was clearly meant to be, which was the Batman knockoff. Um, and he basically was copyright friendly, but still managed to look like Batman. Yeah. Uh, I miss. I miss the Tick. <laughs> both both versions uh, of of the TV show have have had their charms, so it's a shame. That pa- they didn't. Patrick Warburton hasn't shown up in an Incredibles movie yet, has he? I don't think he has. I'm not sure if he's voiced somebody in there or not. I would think that he'd be you a need Patrick choice. Warburton and Bruce Campbell. They both have to be in there somewhere. Now, oh, Bruce, yeah, Bruce Campbell could do the Batman character, mm-hmm. but I think Bruce Willis would be. Although, if you really want to make it just push it that way, you have uh, Patrick Warburton do the Batman character. <laughs> Or you do, or or you get you get Patrick Warburton oh, do the Lex Luthor analog, mm. <laughs> and then you have you have Bruce Willis and Bruce Campbell play the Batman character because one of them could voice the Bruce Wayne, and uh, one of them could be the Batman, and that way you have the voice change right there sure. in the middle. Sure, why not? Why not? Right? It could be fun. All right. Well, we have just about talked this out. Uh, I think this time, uh, so we're gonna head out. Uh, do so. Vote Cthulhu twenty twenty. Vote Cthulhu twenty twenty. Uh, we do appreciate everybody who is uh, who is a part of our audience here. And if you want to vote for us with a little thumbs up, we'll take it. And we'll take it. And uh, feel free to share our channel with those you think would be interested. Uh, make sure that you are still subscribed. Have your notifications on because right now only eight percent of you do. Mm-hmm. So you're missing a whole lot of new content when we put it out every week. Uh, we've got new shows, new episodes. <coughs> some of it's live, some of it's Memorex, and uh, you know it's all here for you, our our friends out there in. Out we're, there. we're rapidly reaching a point where some of its Memorex is a losing all meaning. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you very much for watching. Don't forget, you can get a discount at superherostuff.com with the promo code sci-fi for me 10 And we will be back with another discussion of something with digressions next week. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.